In this episode, we talk about what Less Annoying CRM is doing to handle sales tax compliance worldwide. Yeah, the life of a founder is very exciting. All right, let's go. Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrap SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. I'm Rick. I run a software-enabled services company called Leg Up Health. What's up, Rick? Well, I'd just like to announce that you are officially a Leg Up Health partner, papered and signed. I am. Yes. Yeah. We've we've talked about this on previous podcast episodes that we had kind of like reached a verbal agreement, but... Um, now it's more than verbal. It's official. You're, you're locked in. Yeah. You're stuck with me. <laughs> uh, any, uh, for the sake of trying to make good radio here, any like takeaways from the process of writing up a contract or any of that stuff? I don't think so. I, I think mostly just wanted to share that it's done and, you know, there's a, it's easy to celebrate. It doesn't feel real until it's real. And now it feels very real. Um, I felt pseudo real, but not real. Real, real. And now it feels real, real. And I feel yeah. like we're executing. So I would just oh, say, yeah, good. get it done. Like the biggest takeaway is like, get it, just get it done. I think I probably let it drag out too long. We could have felt this way probably a month ago. Yeah. So to, to give context to anyone who hasn't been following along, like we have been, Leg Up Health is your business, Less Annoying Serum's mine. We've been, I joined kind of as a side project for me to be the tech person at Leg Up Health, but like, I've been working on it since March-ish, mid-March. Um, we, I, I forget when we kind of talked about a loose arrangement, but then I, in mid-April, I flew out to Utah, kind of did a work retreat with you out there, and we renegotiated it because the the point was like, originally I was just going to do a little one-off project and then move on. And it's like, how do you compensate me for that? And now it's like, I want to stay involved kind of for the fairly long term and so we kind of renegotiated and we had a basic agreement in mid-april but we didn't sign it until last weekend yep yep and I, that was mostly me just like not moving fast on it so yeah i don't i yeah fair enough i i certainly wasn't uh feeling antsy about it we've worked together enough that it's like you know this is going to be fine i guess if we were more strangers it would be like I, the person in my position might be like, am I doing a lot of work without having an agreement signed? Yep. But cool. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. Like like up health's happening. And, uh, I mean, it's already been going long before this, but my, my involvement in it is happening. Well, as a partner, I'd like to update you on uh, something. We have a partner mm -hmm. meeting every month and we, uh, I think we have an, our next one a week from Monday. Um, so, but I'll, I'll tell you now on the podcast, uh, one of the, my concerns coming into the last partner meeting was we're working on a project, uh, with a marketing coach who's helping JD and I, um, think through uh, our positioning at leg up health, our branding and our story. Um, we're, we're in the midst of repositioning, uh, from being for consumers to being for small business owners and people, uh, that, that are associated with small businesses and self-employed. Um, and, uh, I was struggling with the project a little bit feel like questioning whether it was a good use of time. Uh, I was feeling like we were stuck and just like going in circles, which often you feel about when you're talking about marketing projects. I'm happy to report that we are like over like 75% done and it looks pretty good. Like I'm actually pretty excited about it. Um, when, when you say it looks good, like what I, you don't literally mean like looks, this isn't a design thing. Like what mm -hmm. are you seeing that you like? Um, I, the words, uh, who we're for, um, 
you know, and, and, uh, how we describe our differentiation, um, those kinds of things. Um, it's still not done. So it's like, I can't really say, Hey, this is what it is. Um, a couple of things that I would like what we got into today and, and finalized were some changes, little tweaks to our mission statement. Um, but it just feels like all the, like we took what we had, which was like an idea and, you know, from three years ago and we basically have refreshed it and, and it, it it's all in sync now and very focused. And I, I believe what will, what it will lead to is, um, uh, as I step away for paternity, like, and, and like, as, as we, we shift from the, like talking about, uh, what we do, who we are and what we do, and we shift towards telling other people about that as the primary focus, it's going to be very easy for um, our marketing coach Garrett and JD to like craft copy and experiment without like sw- like creating a new business in the in the uh, process of doing that. Like they're going to mm-hmm. stay aligned to this like central belief. I think you did a really good job of this naturally at the early days of Less Knowing CRM, where you had your like this is how I think about business, you know, internal documentation, um, and I think people align to that. Uh, that's kind of what this is, where it's like you know here's how we think about what we do and who we do it for and why we're different and. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, that's interesting because you know I kind of roll my eyes at all this stuff, like especially for a smaller kind of more early stage company, but even for more like every time a big company like changes their logo so it has a new font and then they write this blog post, it's like, here's how this font conveys trust or, you know, some bullshit <laughs> like that. Um, <laughs> I hate that stuff. Not, not that that's what you're doing right now, but I hadn't quite thought of it before. I, as you were working on this, like I... I trust everything's going on. It seems like Garrett knows what he's doing, but like, it's probably not how I would have approached it, but it does. I've only ever been in a situation where I'm the one doing the marketing in the early, like not, not now for less knowing serum. We have a marketer, but like we're 14 years in, in the early days of less knowing serum, I was doing the marketing. It is different. What you just said that like you're the CEO, it's kind of your vision but you're not the primary person talking to customers. You're going to be gone for a while. Other people are going to have to do work. It it does resonate a little bit with me that going, like I would have said, just go do the work. Stop planning the work and go do the work. But if you're going to have other people doing the work that needs to be true to your vision, I guess it does make sense to to spend more time on like figuring out what the words should be. I like how you said a little bit. <laughs> it, it makes it a little bit. A little um, bit. Yeah, I'm, but, yeah, I'm like, not going to say this is my style, but <laughs> yeah, it's not your style at all. But no, I, I, I think we're 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 gonna lead, we're gonna end this with like a pretty solid foundation to run experimentation on and iterate together without me being involved on a day to day. And yeah. I think that is a, a win. Um, I, you know, I'd like to share a mission statement, like a new mission statement, because uh, I, right. I think it's pretty cool. Um, it. uh, making people's health insurance experience simple, pleasant, and cost effective. Nice. I assume a lot of thought was put into each of those words. Is there like, like, no, it was, it was very obvious that this was our mission after we went through, um, what our target market was, what our uh, positioning statement is, what our differentiator differentiators are. And so once we did through those exercises, it was like, Oh, like that's, that's what we're on a mission to do. Um, Simple, pleasant, cost effective. Am mm -hmm. I getting that right? Cool. Yep. I like it. That's a uh, that's a pretty no bullshit mission statement, which versus like you know make the world a better place through blah 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 or whatever. Um, We're gonna like change it. healthcare one person at a time. <laughs> like what? Yeah, it explains what it is. Eh, I like it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Like uh, the other thing I would share is like we we we've positioned ourselves historically as a health insurance agent or a health insurance agency. We're we're shifting from that to health insurance consultant, um, which is I think a little bit, um, 
uh, broader and, and, and more aligned to what we're trying to do. Uh, a couple other things like that we're, we're saying is like, um, the, we're targeting, uh, Utah startups and small businesses versus, uh, Utah consumers. That's a big change, um, mm-hmm. in, in our positioning. Uh, um, sorry, you're saying we're, are you saying consumers and startups and small businesses or the like startups and small businesses are the primary audience? They're the primary audience. They're ICP and that's who we're for. And yeah, if you're, if I mean, and, and we, we looked at pretty much every client. Um, I think there's like one to 5% of our clients that are not, um, associated with a startup or a small business. Interesting. Okay. So you're, it's, yeah, the focus is, it's not that you're not serving client, individual consumers. It's that they, the positioning of work for small businesses still applies to them. Yes. Because health, the, the, there are two drivers of health insurance decisions. The first is employment. The second is life events and, uh, uh, employment drives everything. So, uh, fundamentally, like we believe that if we're well positioned for the, uh, small business market in Utah, uh, we're, we're going to capture the consumer side and we'll yeah. still obviously like have uh, marketing activity, uh, that, that captures consumers that are looking for health insurance and we'll have messaging for that. But as far as like positioning the brand and the, you know, the homepage and the, you know, what leg up health is like, it'll, it'll start at the, at the business level and, you know, uh, <clears throat> lead into the consumer side. Yeah. Cool. Versus the other way around, which is what we're doing right now, which is we're consumers. And then, oh, do you work for a business? We do business. Yeah. Stuff. And so is this is this going to go like, what, what's the timeline for this all going into effect? Uh, I think we're going to wrap it up next Thursday. Um, so the final piece is a story. We've done our positioning, which is like messaging. It's like the core. We've done our brand, um, uh, which is stuff like, you know, who, who do you want to sound like? Are we customer focused, core values, that kind of stuff, mission. And then we um, are now working on our story and uh, trying to craft this into like in the like the old way of working with a with a health insurance broker is like this and it's crappy, you know, and yeah. the new way is working with uh, a health insurance consultant like Leg Up Health like this. Um, mm-hmm. and it's way better. Um, it's, you know, it's way more pleasant, simple and cost effective. Um, so that's the idea. Cool. Sounds good. I'm excited. Uh, we we did change one core value uh, through this exercise as well, um, but everything else stood the test, uh, which I was pretty excited about. We changed uh, sustainability um, to recharge because we 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 did we determined that uh, sustainability was something that we was more aspirational and actually not something we were living. Um, and so the essence of that was like if you burn out, like don't let yourself burn out, like open enrollment is going to be tough, but in the off seasons, mm-hmm. make sure that you're recharging so that you can do another sprint during open enrollment. I like that. So sustainability kind of implies it's always calm. Recharge implies there's going to be hard seasons and, and calm seasons. And and yeah, that actually segues perfectly. I, I don't want to like, I'll go. If, if, okay. <laughs> that segues perfectly into my first point here, which is things are not calm at less annoying CRM right now. This is one of the most kind of hectic periods, partially for me, but mostly for the dev team, especially um, that, that we've maybe ever had. Um, there's kind of a perfect storm of like Robert, who's kind of the manager of the dev team is on sabbatical right now. Uh, and a, he used to just do a lot of stuff that now other people have to do. And some things naturally slipped through. He did a great job of preparing for his departure, but something slipped through the cracks. Um, we just launched this big redesign, which means a lot of like little bugs, nothing major, but there's just like, if you look at the bug tracker, there's 40 things on there instead of five, just like all these tiny little UI things that we missed. And we have interns and fellows who have started and they just need a ton of mentorship and 
we have to find projects for them to work on and pair program with them and all this stuff. And um, so there's basically only three developers right now uh, able to do anything and all their time is spent on bug fixes and mentoring. So uh, it's definitely feeling kind of stressful right now. In a good way or like a way that you're like, I'm ready for it to go back to calm. Yeah, not a good way. Um, I think it's fine. I, I think everyone has enough perspective to know like, this is temporary. We can point at the exact causes, but like one of the reasons I say this segues so nicely from what you just said is I have not set this culture up to be ready for this. Like we're mm-hmm. normally calm all the time. Um, and like the teams, it's everyone's a team player. Everyone's a good sport about it. But like the, if I'm being honest, the amount of stress we have right now is probably what typical companies have all the time. Um, I don't think it's like, a crazy amount of stress, but because we're not used to it, it's like more of a problem than it would be otherwise. Um, so I, I like that you made recharge like one of your values because it says to people like, it's not an accident when this happens. We're planning for busy periods, which I, I think is a, a useful thing to plan for. Yeah. Thank you. Um, how are you going to deal with what you're dealing with right now? Are you just going <laughs> to let it play? Or are you going to try to try to coach people through it? Um, are you, are you, um, are you, are you trying? Are you just? Are you worried about it? Uh, I wouldn't say I'm worried. I'm I'm only I'm worried in the sense like it's not like being in the office and being around. You can tell a couple people are on edge a little bit. Again, I think this is how it is everywhere else all the time. It's not. I don't want to overblow what's going on, but uh, I th- I'm I'm planning on waiting a week. I think a week from now everything will be fine. Um, if it's not, then I probably need to do something, especially because halfway through the following week, I'm going to Greece for 10 days. And it's not a great look for me to be chilling on a beach while everyone else is stressing out. Um, so if things aren't calm, the last few days I'm in the office, I'll probably like talk to people and be like, all right, I'm just saying like, I'm taking half the bugs and saying, don't work on them until I'm back. Or I, I don't, I don't know if that's it. I just made that up off the top of my head, but like something, uh, I don't think this should go on for multiple weeks, but if it's another week or maybe two, I think that would be fine. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But also, I, I love having interns and fellows, but this is like, we we always know chaos is coming and we never like, no matter how much you plan for it, it's never enough. You still get in the moment. You're like, wow, I thought I spent a lot of time preparing the projects interns would be working on. And nope, <laughs> I've got to do a lot more planning than I thought, you know, that type of thing. Anyway, um, I've got a handful of just kind of mostly unrelated topics to talk about should i just dive into one of them i would love to (laughs) um all right so one is i wanted your thoughts on this so man i'm gonna really look like a fickle person here uh less annoying business is a website (laughs) i started uh i talked about it on the podcast um the the origin story here is a long time ago we blogged on less annoying crm back when blogging like worked better than it does now i think like you could just write random articles and they'd get traction uh like in 2010 or whatever we stopped doing that for a variety of reasons. And then like years later, I think it was probably 2020, 2021. Uh, I said, you know, we're still getting a decent amount of traffic from all those blog posts, those old ones. Like what if I kept doing, what, if I had just been blogging this whole time, would we just have this massive content engine? That's how I remember the origin story here. Does that mesh with what you remember me telling you? Yeah. And you've done this once before with TylerKing.net, I believe. Uh, well, yeah, that was before Less Annoying CRM. Yeah. I, I've done uh, various blogging adventures many <laughs> times, yes. <laughs> yep. 
Yep, TylerKing.net. I ripped off Mint's web design from back in the day yeah, and I made remember. my own website. Yes, and uh, you did it. You, you basically did the same thing, but instead of branding it Tyler King, you branded it Less Annoying Business. Um, yeah, I, but it was basically my personal blog. Like it's, it's a personal blog. It's Tyler. It's Tyler's thoughts on being a less running a less annoying business. Yeah, and I t- I took some content from the Less Annoying CRM blog, moved it over, and did all the redirects and stuff. But the idea is, it wasn't about CRM. It wasn't about Less Annoying CRM. It was about yeah my thoughts on entrepreneurship or whatever. I ended up stop. I didn't continue writing on there mostly because like what I realized is the people who are interested in that just are not an audience I'm interested in building. I also like reflecting since then, it's really tempting. I think a lot of people get this where there's just like, if you have any ego at all, which we all do, you want people to follow you and you want like the idea of having an audience is so intoxicating. The work of actually doing it is miserable (laughs) <laughs> the, the people who are great at it, like the the people out there who have like 100,000 Twitter followers and a big newsletter, it, it is a grind. Like they make it look easy, but they are constantly, constantly just in content creation mode. It's it's really not a type of work I'm interested in. And from in. what I can tell, they're they're on Twitter all day, just responding yeah. and tweeting and liking and replying. And I, I just, I don't know. Yeah. Every once in a while, I tweet something that gets like not actually viral, but you know, like a thousand likes or something. And I, it, it consumes like two or three full days of, first of all, the addiction of seeing notifications rolling in, but all these comments are happening and then people are replying to the replies and I feel like I need to be in there. Yeah. I, I don't know and how then, people And would. then you want to recreate that tweet uh, yeah, uh-huh. with, your, with your next tweet. So there's, there's performance pressure. It's such like, I don't, it's a trap. I know social media ruins people's mental health, but like, especially the people who have that taste of success, I would think. And anyway, um, so I don't really want to be in the, the the game of content. I realized like, and I was appealing to an audience that I, I like having a network of other founders, but I don't necessarily like, I don't want an audience of other founders, if that makes sense. Um, so I've kept less knowing business up there. Every once in a while, I'll write something, but uh, we, so I want to combine this with what I said in the last episode, which is we realized like a lot of the marketing stuff we had been doing, maybe it was working. We just didn't know it. So like, for example, when we stopped, like, I think maybe our blog was doing some, providing some value for us because it was generating traffic. It wasn't converting to leads, but maybe like impressions, like brand marketing stuff, maybe it was helping. So the thought is like, given that I'm not active on Less Annoying Business anyway, should we just move all those posts back to Less Annoying CRM and kind of maybe even continue blogging? I don't know, but like, yeah, get, if anyone sees a post... I'd rather them see less annoying CRM instead of less annoying business, I guess, is where I'm going with this. Yeah. Are you, are you going to do it or have you made a decision? Um, not a firm decision. I actually, I was interested in what you thought about oh, this, but okay. um, Eunice I mean, and I, would I, do it. I would do you it. would. Yeah. yeah. I feel so stupid because like what I said when launching less annoying business was like, the whole thing here is longevity and all I have to do is stick to this and just keep this website running in 10 years. And now I'm like abandoning it again. So it's just well, like- But you're not. You're not abandoning it. You're merging it. Um, that, I, I, I actually think that you're doubling down on it. Um, you're, 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 you're iterating and doubling down in my opinion. So I actually don't think that at all. Um, the one, the one thing I'll say is like, I think, uh, there were a couple of, if I look back at when this happened, like this was close to like not too long after we started the podcast, it was not too long after you like, were trying some other things you were going through this crisis of like, um, what, what are my hobbies? Um, mm-hmm. And I think you've like experimented with that a little bit. You've experimented with this. You've experimented with investing. You've experimented with uh, traveling, um, and uh, you've experimented with like helping out 
leg up health and being a mentor to other businesses. And I, I think like, this is just the natural evolution of uh, figuring out like how you want to spend your time. Um, and I think there's a, I, I would just say like that you're, you're not saying this isn't a productive use of someone's time. You're saying, I don't want to be the face of this, uh, as Tyler King. Um, but I do want to continue doing this. And I, I, I it seems like a completely the right decision. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that's, I hadn't quite thought of it in that way that before it was like, I want my Twitter followers to care about what I write on lessening business. And I might still write a post and if it's relevant, I'll share it on Twitter. But like, this is a blog about for the business, for our customers. Uh, yeah. It's not me trying to build my personal brand or anything like that. Um, and yeah, that's also a good point. Like my, my uh, outlook on a lot of stuff has changed since joining leg up health because I do think for someone like me, like I'm very committed to lessening CRM and it's a big part of my identity, which I think is fine. It's good to have another thing. I don't have kids, you know, I don't, I don't have like a major hobby. I, you're probably right. I don't know if I ever said it this way on the podcast that I was like looking for a hobby. Leg up health is it now. And partially like, I like the work that I'm doing at leg up health and that more than blogging. But I think the biggest thing is just that there are stakes. This blog never needed to work like and it was never going to work. If even if it was going to work, it was going to work in a small way. The fact that like you and JD rely on the work I'm doing and there's like real like people's livelihoods at stake here makes it so much more fulfilling to work on like of health than that blog. Yeah, I, I and like, yeah, totally. Um, and I, I think uh, like, I just think. For me, like one of the things I get out of Leg Up Health too is um, that I don't get out of the writing that I do is the impact on other people. Like building a business yeah. that there's a big difference between like, um, I don't know, I, I think writing has impact on people. And I, I'm sure that a lot of people have been helped by the writing and finding like your YouTube videos and stuff like that. And they'll continue to find it because it'll live on less knowing, you know, <laughs> Sierra.com. So is it like wasted? But like um, there, there's, um, anyway, I think like there's, it's a solo effort. That's one thing. Like you're doing it by yourself in this silo. So there isn't this relationship build that happens. If the people that are coming across the content interacting with you aren't like the people you want to go travel with, um, and you know, drink beers with, then like, why, why, why put like, why make that this extra thing, roll it into what you're already doing. Um, yeah. So it makes total sense to me. I'm so happy that this, that you're at like a pelt. I just got to, I just gotta like I'm I'm taking notes like what are the things that demotivate Tyler? What are the things that I don't, I don't want? I don't like about like about to lose Tyler. So how do I how do I keep those things going? I think it's you know keeping it interesting and fun and um cha- like the challenge um yeah as well yeah um okay cool I was a little worried you were gonna push back on that I'm uh, we're I'm, I'm glad I'm relieved uh <laughs> well, okay the, next topic so I'm aligned with you spending time I, I'm I'm a, no I'm a, no not. <laughs> Not uh, obviously you're cool with me working on leg of health instead of blogging, but there's a lot, I, I, my reflecting on myself, there's just a lot of flip-flopping going on with our content strategy throughout the years. I I think, um, what, 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 I think you, when you talk to me about leg, like when leg of health is just a project, it was like, oh, this is interesting. Like I, I, I'm another one of Tyler's experiments, right? Like, cause I've Mm -hmm. kind of looked at that. Like, I think you do, I I think you do a good job of running experiments in life and in business. And I think over the last few years, you've run a lot of experiments in terms of how to spend your time. This was one of those things. It didn't work. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. (laughs) Like, like I, I, it's okay. I just don't want like a pelt to be that. Yeah, no, I mean, well, 
yeah, I'm I, I'm I'm committing to leg up health in a way that uh, I did not commit to blogging. <laughs> stakes. That's the key. Uh, yep, stakes matter. Um, all right, next thing on my list, uh, we're probably switching from Stripe to Paddle. Um, have we talked about this on the podcast yet? Yes, we have talked about um, just just for context. I believe that this is um, your billing and payments platform for less annoying CRM. Yes, uh, Stripe Stripe has uh, frustrated you in some way, shape, or form, and you've decided to look elsewhere. It's not exactly that they've frustrated me. I mean, I'm reasonably happy with Stripe for what they do, but uh, this is mostly about tax sales tax compliance. Oh, that's right. Um, and yeah, I, I don't want to repeat myself if I've already gone to this whole spiel. But Go again, because I don't remember. Yeah. So I, I feel like this kind of got on my radar because Justin Jackson um, talked about this on uh, what's his podcast with John Buda, uh, Build Your SaaS. Um we're just talking about, so, okay, when SaaS started, it was like, it's not a product. Well, when SaaS started, nothing sold online was taxed. It was like sales tax. Um, Amazon, who had a presence in Washington, could sell me something in Missouri, and like there was no sales tax for that thing. And then gradually, like, as Amazon built locations in places, like if you have a physical nexus, they call it, then like, so they have a fulfillment center, let's say in Chicago, but not St. Louis. So Illinois people have to pay sales tax on Amazon, but St. Louis people don't. <clears throat> now, in theory, even in that time, anyone who bought something on Amazon was supposed to pay the sales tax themselves. They were supposed to pay it to Missouri. No one did, obviously. But it, it's the sales tax is the responsibility of the person buying the thing, not the person selling the thing, right? Mm -hmm. At the same time, in addition to that, software isn't even a physical good. And so like, it's taxed differently, maybe, whatever. Anyway, over the years... It's been like states have said, no, you have to pay sales tax for software. And it's still, again, the, the customer's responsibility. But the state says, if you hit over a certain threshold, if you have over 200 transactions per year or whatever in our state, it's the company has to charge the customer sales tax and then remit it to the state. That's my understanding of the history here. Are you familiar with all that? Does that match mm -hmm. your understanding? Yeah, we're into it. People keep, um, this was kind of like towards the tail end where we were hitting volume. And if you don't fix it, the other thing I would say, it, once you get past a certain stage, this becomes a huge li potential liability. You've got to worry about being uh, sort of uh, called upon to collect. Um, yeah. And that's the, the reason to solve for it. Yeah. I should say we've been doing sales tax in the states we have a, a physical presence in, which is uh, Missouri, Illinois, Massachusetts, and Texas. So we're already doing this in some states. But it's like, you know, we we sell worldwide and it's not just states. In theory, there's VAT in the EU and that has to be paid to each country in the EU separately, even though it's kind of one big concept. And then every country has different rules around this. And like, it, it even goes more narrow than states where like the city of Chicago has made their own SaaS sales tax rules, apparently. So like, even if you want to comply, it's like impossible. A company our size can't be registered with, you know, 50 states, the city of Chicago and another hundred countries. So it's just like, how, like, how are you supposed to comply with this? Um, so what Stripe has is a thing called Stripe tax where they will calculate, they will like charge your customers the taxes, the sales tax that they owe, but then it's still up to us to, to remit it. Remit meaning paying the tax on behalf of our customers to the government's which means we have to register with every single one of these places. We, it, I honestly, something has like this, this is completely untenable. creating more work for you. 
Well, it's not Stripe's fault. They didn't cause the problem. It's just that they're not solving the problem, Mm -hmm. right? And as far as I understand, there's really no way to solve it with a model like Stripe's. So what Paddle does is they are a merchant of record where technically our customers are buying our product from Paddle. Like we're licensing it to Paddle and Paddle's selling it to our customers. Our customers are going to be completely oblivious to the fact that that's happening. But then, so basically Paddle is making all the revenue from our customers. They have to be responsible for taxes, but they have like, thousands of customers like us. So they pay taxes to all these places. And then they just give us one payment. And all we have to, from a tax standpoint, it's as if we only have one customer and it's That's that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of downside to it, like a lot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But but tell me, like, could you do this? Could you have like paddle for international customers and then Stripe for US customers if you wanted to, or are you doing everything through paddle? Yeah, you could definitely do that. Um, I'm not... So, side note, Paddles like does the whole enterprise sales process. I've never really been a buyer of enterprise anything prior to this, and I gotta say, I don't, I don't like the experience at all. Not, <laughs> not that, not that Paddles doing it poorly. I actually think, I, I think my my rep there might be listening to this. I'm having a good time with Paddle. That's not what I'm trying to say. But it's just there's like contracts and all that. I'm not actually sure what I'm allowed to say. But I'll say, I know, like I have you signed contracts to be able to talk about buying Paddle. I spent, well, I haven't signed anything yet, but I spent eight, there's an 18 page legal document and 18 pages doesn't sound like much, but when it's legalese, I spent like hours and hours this week reading this fucking thing. Um, So I'm not sure I'm allowed to share like the exact specifics of the agreement, but we have to hit a certain volume in the first two years or else we owe paddle a lot of money. Um, So we can go, we could say like, like local, like in the US it's Stripe, uh, internationally it's paddle, but we couldn't do that entirely because we have to hit this volume number to get the deal that we got. Wow. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's that's a great business. <laughs> I love this yeah. business. I, it, the government has for like, there's, I don't know what else to do. Um, it's a lot more expensive uh, than at least like we're using a very cheap version of Stripe right now. Cause we don't use Stripe billing. We don't use any of their subscription logic. It's just a dumb like credit. It's like th- less than 3% plus a transaction fee. So the price is going way up. Our customers are probably going to get a worse experience because they aren't going to understand what Paddle is, but they, they're kind of forced to, like their credit card statement's going to say like Paddle dash less annoying CRMs. Like little things like that are worse, but it's, it's the only way I can tell to, to be in compliance with tax stuff. Yeah, it just makes me think of like, there's probably other business models out there that could be disrupted by like becoming a one to a one to many on behalf of everyone else. Um, like yeah. PEOs do this from group health insurance. That's an analogy. Oh yeah, that's true. Um, uh, the other one is general agents and insurance do this. So, um, the, the, con- the role of a general agent is to do all the contracting with carriers so that you can just contract contract with the general agent and they sort of break out this back office. Um, but I haven't like seen it with a government before. Like, this is interesting. Like you have these, this regulatory requirement and all this stuff. It's like, I'm trying to think of like what a parallel would be in like a consumer world. Like Use our use our driver's license uh, right. for every state, or like I don't I don't like our you can be a resident in every state by by, by using our uh, you know uh, I don't know I don't know how to how to replicate this. Yeah, and it's really weird. Like the the contract that I was reading through, like part of it is like if we get sued because your product did something wrong, like they have to define that like less less if paddle get like because paddle's technically selling our product, you could imagine someone selling paddle uh, suing paddle when it's our fault or whatever. So there's lots of weird, I, yeah, it's a strange arrangement, but 
anyway, we're pretty close to finalizing it. Um, and it, there's like, I wish we didn't have to do this, but also it'll, I think be a big weight off once, once it happens that just like it simplifies our revenue stream from one, yeah, taxes, like various other things like that. Uh, p- payroll is probably a good analogy. Like this is fundamentally like, fr- frankly, you like could go deal with the tax taxes to pay your employees. Yeah, um, that's true. But but the, but you know, payroll companies exist to like do that for you. And they, you know, when they see the check, they don't see less annoying CRM. They see gusto on their paycheck payroll. Um, and then gusto makes you sign all this stuff to say like you're the ultimate you know responsible party here. But we'll we'll do all this for you. Yeah. I, I think the PEO analogy is better. That, like Gusto's doing it on our behalf. Like the, when we pay payroll taxes to the government, like we're paying the payroll tax. PEO Gu- is paying. Yeah, that's interesting. That's yeah. a good point. PEO is better. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So if anyone else out there uh, wants to chat about Paddle or whatever, I'm happy to. Uh, we haven't actually like launched yet, so I can't <laughs> I can't say what the results will be, but I think we're pretty much committed. <laughs> well, very um, cool. All right, you wanna you wanna do a topic? Yeah. So on the on the I was talking about payroll, um, and I guess that's a segue into what I was going to talk about around group health insurance. We're we're having some learnings. Um, so one of the things in my last business that I always wanted to avoid was touching people's paychecks and taking money out of their paychecks to pay for things. And I'm being reminded about why right now. I'd, we've brought on our f- first couple of group customers. Um, the ones uh, so so. I mentioned we were focused on consumers. We've been shifting towards more employer focus. And I think we have four or five group health insurance clients now where we, where uh, it works very differently on the consumer side, the consumer pays the health insurance directly to the insurance company. The employer is not involved in the payment on the employer side. The employer sort of gets billed in aggregate by the insurance company and then takes money out of the employee's checks for their portion um, each month. And that's like requires a lot of coordination on the back office side with payroll um, Gusto is a small business payroll system in the U S that's like really good. Like they're increasing market share. They have a health insurance service. And so we, 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 we stole for lack of a better word, a client from Gusto. Um, and one of the advantages for Gusto is if you have their health insurance through Gusto, they automate the payroll deductions. Mm-hmm. And so we're in this nightmare of like, uh, of, of helping the, this cu- a particular customer, manage their payroll deductions manually in Gusto after not having to do that. And uh, it's a challenge. Um, but what you know, JD and I talked about today is like, hey, this isn't a unique challenge. Like every customer that we work with on group health insurance has to do payroll deductions and us having a playbook for this has to work. But it's especially painful because uh, moving to us has resulted in a degradation of service and a, deg- yeah. a, a degradation of like employee experience um, in this area of payroll deductions. And so it made me want to bring this topic to you and just share like, hey, isn't this stupid? Group health insurance sucks, like blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it's so stupid that employers are paying for consumer products. Yeah. Uh, payroll. And then, and we, yeah, go ahead. Is it correct? When we bought insurance, we, we use Gusto for insurance. We were told like you, the, the employer has to pay at least 50%. Is that pretty much across the board true? That's across the board, irrespective of the payroll system. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the, the, the payroll deductions only come in to play when the employer is paying less than 100%. Right. So the, the, the deduction is not the part the employer is paying. The deduction is the part the employee is paying. Okay, Correct. right. Yep. And so uh, anyway, um, it just made me think like, one, like, dang it, this is 
the, the, this is the hard part of entrepreneurship when you have to like learn by serving customers and like, it sucks to be that customer. Um, so sorry, this customer, we're just handling it right. And like, we're in this situation, um, we're saying like, listen, we're going to make this right. And if we can't, we'll help you. We will roll out the red carpet on, uh, for you to go back to Gusto. Um, and there's no other way to handle that. Is there, uh, I mean, th- like you said, this is going to happen with every employer client, right? Like how is this, is this like an existential threat to the idea of selling group insurance? Uh, clearly not. Um, uh, it's unique to Gusto and this, and this particular customer who has, uh, I, I think it's, a there, there are a couple of issues. One is, a, um, us not being like ahead of this and explaining like, Hey, like we have a new responsibility. So it's a learning. Yeah. Um, uh, and then, you know, this is, this is something we got to manage for every group client. It's what every group insurance broker out in the world does. Um, okay. including Gusto. Now, Gusto has a significant competitive advantage. I do want to talk about that with you. Uh, and so the payroll company here, uh, by doing group health insurance and having it throw through their systems, can add a pretty significant convenience to the payroll deduction um, and take that off like the plate of the business owner. Um, so we need to figure out how to combat that. You know, And from a service perspective, is like, how can we uh, make it not a big deal that you're losing that? Um, uh, and, you know, there's potentials that we could do that. Like we can integrate with these payroll systems. We can build software to support that. I'm not saying we should do that tomorrow, but we could do that. We could yeah. also get in the payroll business if we wanted to. Um, and, uh, you know, it just made me want to like come to you and say, you know, if we're, if leg up health in 10, <laughs> if leg up in 10 years as a payroll company, you, uh, what do you think about that? Uh, I hope we've hired a dev team by then. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound fun to build, but yeah, it's, uh, we've said this before that, um, every business has to do something hard. If, if you're not doing anything hard, you, you have no moat, you have no competitive advantage, like some, like you don't have a business and you just have to pick the right hard things. That's not a hard thing I'm stoked about, but, uh, maybe, maybe it's the hard thing we got to do. I, it, you know, it, it'd be interesting to sit down and brainstorm it. Cause like, uh, you know, Gusto has an API. Like I realize not everyone who we are selling to will be using Gusto, but to solve the Gusto problem specifically, I bet we could be like, let's just do all the payroll stuff in Gusto via their API and we still don't have to move any money that way, you know? Yep. But being a full payroll company, I I actually, this ties into something we've talked about before, maybe like a year ago that I think software companies are like, we still think of software as being very young and immature and like, oh, I can just, you know, I'm, I'm a good web developer. I can just spin up this thing and in a few months I'll have feature parity and like be, have an MVP at this point, like payroll companies have been around for decades and they've been getting better and better and better. And Gusto is good. Like I'm less than Serum's a customer Gusto. They're not a, this isn't Intuit. Intuit makes shit software. Um, I could beat them with an Excel spreadsheet, but Gusto's good. And it's not a given that we can do anything close to what they're doing, you know? Now they offer their entire uh, payroll system via an API so you can white label it. Which is interesting, yeah. um, but like uh, I don't so use them on the back end. Yeah, use them on back end. So so they're getting you know their share anyway, but 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 it solves the the customer problem. But but anyway, um, I think like I think that uh, it's an interesting. I think there are two things I want to say about this. One is um, this is like the hard part about entrepreneurship when you're you think you've got to win, and it actually just creates more work because you don't know what you don't know until you do it. And yeah. the answer isn't not to do it; it's to do it and learn. And then you just have to like be okay. You, like what JD is learning right now with this one customer is the difference between us knowing how to get to 50 customers and not ever knowing. Um, mm-hmm. And you just have to, like this customer is going to cost more than the next one. Um, and you have to be okay with that. And it's, um, it was interesting. We were going through our focus uh, 
uh, you know, what, what our focus right now is. Cause I, I meet with him on Thursday mornings, meet with JD on Thursday mornings, but, but, uh, you know, this, this thing is like one of five things on the list and it's, it was at the bottom and we had just reviewed our core values and to, and guess what our first core value is clients Remind first me. clients first. Okay. And so we immediately put that to the top and said, let's reposition instead of yeah. thinking, looking at this as a burden, look at this as an opportunity to live our values, totally shifted the conversation. I think that'll be a really interesting update at our next partner meeting. I like that. That's a great example of values mattering, by the way, like back to the me rolling my eyes thing. Like if you're actually changing what you're, how you're prioritizing stuff based on values, then Hey, they serve a purpose. <laughs> Just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you that. Um, yeah, that's, uh, I, I'm glad you guys are handling that and not yeah. me, but, um, yep. That you're, you're digging the moat though. Yep. Cool. You know, you bring up a good point though. Is like, there's no reason JD shouldn't or and I or I shouldn't reach out to an existing group broker and say, "Hey, like, how do you deal with peril? Like, this is yeah, you got to deal with this with every customer. What do you? What's your secret? I don't know. Yeah, I. That's not the point I meant to bring up, but that is a good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Cool. Let g- give some updates on that if uh if if we crack it right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um. Cool. My next topic here. So. One of the things I'm building for Leg Up Health right now is you you have a no-code app, which is what Leg Up Health consumer clients are currently using to like log in and check their insurance information. And you built a thing with Airtable that emails each client every month just a summary of like, hey, here are your insurance policies, making sure everything looks okay, right? I am basically rebuilding that no-code app in full code. And so like I'm reproducing a lot of the stuff you have. And so I was digging through your Airtable code to send this email. And so remind me like the pro because you have, you know, you studied computer science in college, but like you, you don't have any like practical professional coding experience, but you wrote that code by yourself, which is basically like you, you pair programmed with me for a little bit and then just went and Googled stuff and trial and error and got it eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a, I assume pretty t- like difficult process. Uh, the on- the difficult process wasn't the logic of like getting the data in the right place. It was learning how to use the API and get the API to like get, pulling gotcha. API in from Airtable to to get the data in, um, and then pushing it out to the emails. So that the was hard. Grid, yeah, yeah. So the reason I bring this up is I was looking at that and I was just like, ChatGPT could write this oh. so easy. Um, the idea of like taking no code tools, I think it's very common for anyone using no code to need to extend it with just a little bit of JavaScript. Like this is probably a hundred lines of JavaScript or something like that. Um, it's actually good code by the way. Like I, uh, I think you did a good job, but I was looking at it. It's just like, if, if you're someone who's technical enough to get a no code app working, but not necessarily technical enough to write the code, man, it would be so much easier to do what you did two years ago now with 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 uh ai generated yeah. generative ai interesting yeah um i actually have a friend who did he i have a friend who launched like an iphone app having never he, he's a product manager so he like understands all the technical stuff of how the database works how apis connect together he gets all that but he's never written code he shipped an entire pretty good iphone app just by just with chat gpt and like it gets a lot of stuff wrong but he would go back and be like, no, you know, I'm using a different version of Swift. I can't do that. Or like you have to give it a ton of feedback, but he got a, a full up and running iPhone app with it's it. It's like working with a foreign developer. <laughs> well, I, 
you know what? Uh, I'm not going to engage with that, but uh, that makes me think of something that I have been thinking of with AI. <laughs> You're going to get us canceled here, Rick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, come on, that was a joke. I know. <laughs> uh, but no, okay. People think of AI as a tool. You're holding back more laughter there. <laughs> I'm laughing at your reaction. And now I'm feeling guilty about making maybe potentially no, no, an inappropriate no. joke. No, no, you're good. Uh, but um, when you hear people talk about ChatGPT and stuff like that, you think of it as like, you, you hear about it like it's a tool. You have to get good at using tools and stuff like that. I think there's an argument to be made that the skill set is more like management. Um, that if you think of like what a manager's job is, it's to say like, I've got a person who doesn't understand exactly what I want them to do or isn't empowered to do it for one reason or another. And like my, or they're not motivated or this or that, but my job is to talk until this other person does exactly the right thing. I know that's like a very crude way of putting it, but it's like the API between a manager and employees is talking and then the employees do other stuff. The employees code or make graphics or whatever, but the manager just talks. Mm -hmm. And I really feel like that's the dynamic we have with ChatGPT. And when people say, oh, ChatGPT is not going to put people out of work or this or that, I, I think maybe a better way to look at it is it's not going to put managers out of work. <laughs> yeah, or more people will need to manage ChatGPT. You know? Management. That's a, I like that analogy. AI, generative, this AI stuff needs to be managed for it to be productive. Does it mm -hmm. get like when you manage an employee or a person, you generally see like, oh, they get that. I don't need to reteach that. Um, do, do, does does AI like sort of does the generative AI get there like where you've trained it enough on this topic within your conditions that it you don't have to go back and revisit that topic again or is it like starting from zero every time? That's a good question. I I'm sure there's like people who are real experts on this like go and do their own you know train their own models or whatever. I'm just using ChatGPT and my understanding is like you can create different. I know we have a shared ChatGPT account. Have you like used it at all yet? I haven't logged in yet. No. Um. There are threads, and each thread is like a chat back and forth. Within a thread, it learns for sure. So I could say like, "Hey, I'm using Laravel. Uh, you know, I need to create a blade file that does this thing, and I'll ask it, and it'll get it totally wrong. I don't have to re-explain the whole problem. I can just be like, "No, no, 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 you don't get it. This one thing should be different." And it it remembers the context above the thread. I think if I start a new thread, it loses all the context. Okay. So uh, it does learn. I'm not sure that it like all your future conversations will have that context. I don't think it has that. Interesting. Cool. That, that, I like the manager analogy a lot. Um, that, that kind of makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. I, I have felt like a manager when using it and it's the same kind of like, no, do the, do the thing I wanted you to do. Not the thing I told you to do, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but, but by the way, I've just, uh, leg up. So leg up health, the new app is launching two weeks from now ish. A little less than two weeks from now. It's up to you guys. Uh, I, I, <laughs> we've got it scheduled. I think it's on the calendar. Are you? But, you think we're on track? Oh yeah, for sure. It's it's launching. Oh, man. I, I could oh, launch today if we needed to. But um, shut up. There are things that aren't done, but they don't matter until the end of the month. It's right. the monthly email that's not done yet. Yep. Cool. Um, that's awesome. But it would one hundred percent not be there. I think we would only be halfway there without ChatGPT. The the benefit to Leg Up Health's business of this $20 a month subscription. Uh, I, I just can't, I can't overstate like it, it has completely changed how I, how I code. Wow. Like 
yeah, I know that's not that doesn't make for good radio, but just like it's 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 real. I, it's I real. lost my prediction. My prediction uh, for this six months was I think AI is the real or for this year when we did our yearly recap, I said AI is the real deal. I'm a believer, but it's not going to have enough of an impact this year. It'll it'll be next year or beyond before I can say it really like changed things for me. But uh, it's it's already happening. Wow, I, I got to make time to play with it. I just have not done it. It's stupid. I will say, for me, I've only found it useful for code. Like, less annoying CRM, I rarely use it. Uh, maybe I'm not being creative enough, but if, you, if you're like, hey, write a blog post for me. If you're just, like, putting out spam bullshit content, it's fine. But, like, it doesn't write a good blog post. It, you have to review everything. You have to check everything. But with code, you're just like, I, I just don't use Google anymore. I go to ChatGPT from the beginning, and, and it answers the question. And, it, yeah, love it. It's incredible. I need to, I need to just put some time down to say like, here are the things I need to try to use jet chat GP chat GPT for, um, in my workflows and just like figure out a way to like block Google from, cause I go to Google all yeah. the time to answer problems. And it's like, I should go to chat GPT first to just try it. Yeah. And there are a lot of things chat GPT is bad for, like it can't answer anything prior to 2021. It, yeah, there's a lot of weaknesses. If anyone's listening and thinking like, man, I tried chat GPT and it, it wasn't, that much of a game changer for me. I do want to say like it takes it is a skill that I I've been using it since I really started using it in Utah, which was mid-April um when I was there. And it was like pretty useful for me there, but like I'm getting better and better and better at like writing the prompts correctly. If it gives me something that's not correct, like telling it how, like I had a whole conversation with it where I was trying to figure out how to do this thing like write some code that I had to like modify a user session in the session table and I didn't know how it worked in Laravel. And it like got the it gave me the wrong answer four times, and I kept like telling it why it was wrong, and it kept adjusting. And eventually, to get like I was just talking to it, and eventually we got the answer figured out. I think I would have never figured that out with like I could have Googled for the next year. I don't think I ever would have figured it out. That's awesome. Yeah, so, I think I'm like there's like I, I do a lot of Salesforce administration day to day, and there's a lot of like errors that I have to deal with uh, solving. Um, and I'm I think that would be a, an interesting. Google is not so great at helping solve Salesforce, like unique Salesforce problems, but I'd be interested to see what ChatGPT could do. Yeah, for sure. So, um, cool. So, what we got ten minutes here. This next topic is is bigger. I'll save that for next time. Um, yeah, maybe I'll just share like a little idle thought that I had, which is I think you and I talk a lot. Like, like almost everyone in business talks about like my my top priority is this, my second priority is that. Um, we've said this before. I'm I'm. I'm not trying to call you out because I've done it too, but like one that comes to mind is when you've kind of said customer first, uh, I forget, employee se- business second, employee third, whatever. Um, increasingly, I don't like talking about stuff that way. And my reason is I feel like it it turns everything into an optimization problem where you're like, I want to do everything I can to make the number one priority go as well as it possibly can. And then only if it doesn't impact that will I do number two. I know people don't think about it that way, but that, that's what it means kind of. Like if you say maximize shareholder value, what you mean is I'll set off a nuke <laughs> if, it makes, if it makes shareholder value go up by one cent, you know? Um, and like, I, I'm exaggerating, but like sometimes businesses actually do kind of seem to be perfectly willing to destroy whatever they can to make money for shareholders. I think... 
a much healthier way to like everything is about balance. And so I have started instead of talking about top priority, second priority, third, I've been talking about it as like a pie chart almost and be like, I want, you know, 80% of our attention to go to this, 15% to go to that, 5% to go to that. Um, and I found that really provides more clarity for people at the company and for myself in terms of how we're doing things. Yeah, I, I actually find myself doing this too. Um, uh, yeah, I like that a lot. I, I can't disagree with what you're saying. Um, the way I've been thinking about it a lot is like there's keep the train running stuff and that's ideally not 100% of your time, but it's mm-hmm. the stuff that like when it happens, you've got to prioritize in real time over everything else. And then there's the like the one thing that you're working on with all the other time until it's done. Um, and then, yeah, maybe you're if there's multiple proactive projects, like maybe you're allocating time. But when 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 you're reacting, it's hard to say like percentage of time. Um, it uh, I think like uh, unless it's the re- what you're reacting to isn't really a reaction. It's a it's it's planned. Um, so I think I, this I, probably sorry. Go ahead. I, I think this matters. Like most of your work time is spent at windfall, which is a very high growth venture backed like high pressure environment where maybe what I'm saying is a bit idealistic. I think it works better at a calm company where. Like a lot of people will say, you know what? Family first. The only thing I care about is family. My whole life is just designed for family. And it's like bullshit. That's not true. You may care more about your family than you care about everything else, but you like you're not spending every second of your life having quality time with your family. Like you could you're, if you're you wanted to. You're sleeping probably more time yeah, than you. Yeah, yeah, you're sleeping. Exactly. Like how selfish and, of you. Oh, sleep is a perfect thank you, Rick. Sleep is a perfect example. No one would ever list sleep as their number one priority, but if you don't sleep, all that other stuff is terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. Like but you should allocate exp- like what is it? Like 20 uh, what? 33% of your day to sleep to have a good Yeah. Now now okay, I'm going to I'm going to what's it called? Steel man it. I'm going to give an argument against that. Um, the argument would be, well, it is because I care about my family. I wouldn't have a good relationship with my family if I didn't sleep. Okay, fair enough. Set that aside for a second. Um, but it's like you, you choose to work, you choose to have hobbies. Like there's, there's space in life for any number of things. And at a calm company, like less knowing serum, we have like a DEI diversity, equity, inclusion budget, both time and money. I can't say as, as much as I'd like to say, Oh, DEI is our number one priority. I don't care about anything more than it. I can't say that. But I also don't want to say like something else is our number one priority and I don't care about DEI. The reality is I care about both of these things. I care about security. I can't say the, the number one priority less annoying serum is data security. Like it is a very, very high priority and it has to be balanced with everything else. I just think it's like naive to talk about things like top and second and third priorities. So anyway, you agree. I'm not, I, I sound like I'm arguing with you and no, no, <laughs> we don't I, even I disagree agree with you. I agree with you. It's more of a rant than this. Is, this is a, more of a rant than a topic. Yes. Rant completed. Thank you for listening. <laughs> um, uh, anything else on your mind? I, I got nothing. All right. Um, it's fun talking to you. Yeah, you too. I Let's thought this was, a, I, I like talking, I like talking about the, uh, I, I thought the, you switching the blog back was a fun conversation. Um, I, do you think you can do that between now and the next podcast or is it like something that's uh not you know a percentage of time that should have anything allocated to it my top priority is dei so i can't spend any time on the blog i'm <laughs> <That's> afraid <right. laughs> <laughs> um no uh that will be a Eunice project i'm not sure what her timeline i don't think there's anything urgent uh to do there but 
Oh, I am. Uh, I am writing a new blog piece of content that we're going to experiment with um, buying ads to a piece of content and trying to use that for uh, kind of lead gen. So cool. That is another. I'll, I'll update more on that later. But I'd love to learn about that. Um, it's going to well, fail. I'm telling you right now, it's going to fail. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do 10 of them and you'll hit yep. one. Um, well, if you'd like to review past topics and show notes, visit startuptolast.com. See you next week. See ya.